0: If you're new to the Greenhouse, we welcome you. My name is Ron Brown. I'm one of the leadership team here. Uh, I'm also a member of the uh, Union Road House Church. Shout out. Woo! I love them people. Loving people. Um, you know, norm- normally we have, uh, more times than not, Brian is up here speaking. He's really, really gifted speaker. We're great to have that. And... We normally have some other guys, and uh, they do a great job. Kevin, who's uh, really a great communicator, has great PowerPoints, and, uh, and today you got me. Uh, I, I tried to do a PowerPoint once, and, uh, and, and frankly, I, I know some of you guys won't understand this because you can do it in your sleep. When I did it, I felt like I landed somebody on the moon. So it was pretty, pretty, a pretty awesome task. As you know, if you've been with us, we've been going through the Bible, trying to get it done in five or six months, which is a pretty awesome task. We've got a lot to go through, a lot to go through. You know, as we've gone through, we've, we've skipped a whole lot of areas, but we're trying to do that so we can really look at, at, at two things in particular. We're wanting to see how this whole story of God is one redemptive story from creation to revelation. And, and, and how it's all tied together. The second thing we're trying to look at in here is how God is working this plan out. He's had a plan since the beginning of time, before the beginning of time. And in his, I'm going to use some big words here, his, his sovereignty. This means his kingly rule. Everything is through him, by him, and for him. And in his uh, omniscience, that means he knows everything and his omnipotence means he has power over everything. How God is working this whole plan out. And as we've seen for thousands and thousands of years, and we have no idea how much more to come, he's working this whole situation out. So we've gone through a whole big portion of the Bible. Uh, we've saw how, you know, God, God in creation created the world, sin entered into the world, everything fell apart. You know, he ends up, he ends up, uh, grafting a, a, a group of people through the line of Abraham to be his chosen people, and and, and they're obedient, then they fall completely flat on their face. They cry out to God, He saves them, and they and, and they just keeps doing it over and over and over again, and then finally God introduces this solution with His Son, Jesus Christ. He comes and He ministers. His purpose is to die on the cross for. The sins, and we've seen how he's been resurrected from the dead. Brian talked about last week how we saw how the Holy Spirit now has come after Christ ascended. The Holy Spirit has come and came into people, spoke through them, and is empowering them now. And and, and so now we're at a portion of Scripture now where we're going to see how this Holy Spirit is going to expand this church out to include the Gentiles now we've, we have looked at big sweeps of scripture before today we got a big task in front of us because we're, if you're familiar with the Bible at all we're going to look at from the book of Acts all the way through Titus which is half the New Testament and uh, so, so buckle up We've got a lot to do today, so hold on with that. And with that, I'm, I'm going to pray. Lord Jesus Christ, Heavenly Father, Ruler of all, we are grateful that we have the opportunity to even look at your word, to gather here, to hear your word. We have such gratitude that we have the gift of the Holy Spirit that could lead us along and guide us and make all your truths known to us. Lord, as we as we look at your word this time, we, we pray that that Holy Spirit will guide us through this. Lord, I know that I need the Spirit's help to speak and may what I say be pleasing to your ears today, Lord. We know it's within your power to continue to grow your church and we... And, and we want to be a willing part of that. Lord, we love you, and we give thanks to you. And it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. So, we're, we're, most of what we're really talking about today is, is covered in the, in the book of Acts. I don't know if you're familiar with that. Uh, some people call it the Acts of the Apostles. Uh, I kind of like to think about the acts of the Holy Spirit because God is controlling this and making all of this happen. And through this, I hope we can try and accomplish three things. We're going to look at three things. One is how the Holy Spirit expanded the Gentiles into the church to include them. We're going to look at how these churches prospered. We're going to look at some of the difficulties they faced. The second thing we're going to look at is we're going to look at one specific church and how this worked out within that church. And the third thing we're going to look at, we're trying to look at how can we be encouraged and challenged by looking at all of this. First of all, we need to describe what's a Gentile. The Bible only recognizes two races. There's Jews and there's everybody else. So, what do you think you are? Yeah. Gentiles. Probably for the most part. The second thing we need to really kind of look at, and this has really helped me to try and describe what the Holy Spirit is. You know, we looked at looked at earlier to describe, to describe what God is, even though we can't see him, we can know him through what he does. And we describe him in many ways by what he does. The same thing with the Holy Spirit. In in I'm by by no means a a Greek expert. In the Greek word for the Holy Spirit is pneuma, P-N-E-U-M-A. It's where we get pneumatic, pneumonia, things like this. But really what it means is breath. So if we look at that through that lens of describing the Holy Spirit as breath, we'll, we'll try maybe get a little bit better handle on on how this seems to proceed through this you know we we talked about uh, we we had Christ crucifixion on the cross his resurrection uh, and for the next forty days he spent a lot of time with his disciples we've got references that he was seen by 500 people or more but he spent a lot of time speaking with his disciples and you know he gave them some orders and talked to them and then he ascended into heaven and they waited for 10 more days until this festival of Pentecost, which was a Jewish festival that everybody around the known world would come back and celebrate. And here these guys are gathered, the disciples are gathered together, the Holy Spirit comes, there's a, a roar and the Holy Spirit comes through these guys and they're speaking different languages so everybody there could understand. He breathed through it. So three thousand people were saved that day. Shortly after, there's another two thousand. So they've got a pretty good sized crowd. Uh, it changed who these people were. The Spirit was changing their lives. They had all things in common. They studied the apostle scriptures daily. They they shared their goods sacrificially with each other so that nobody was in need. Quite a change from their normal culture. Kind of alarming to some people they spent a lot of time preaching in the temple this gospel message of this crucified and resurrected Christ bringing salvation Uh, this caused a lot of disruption with the Jewish leaders at that time Uh, there was one specific time they put them all in jail and as you read in Acts an angel let them out well these religious leaders didn't know what to do with that so, here's Peter and John. They showed up in the temple the next morning. They were preaching again after the angel let them out of jail. Well, these religious leaders called them in to question them. And really what they're wanting to do is, is to stop and recant this whole, this whole crazy business that they've been preaching because it's causing such an uproar in town. And one of the things that, that, that Peter says, he said, who are we supposed to obey, God or men? Well, these guys had a real dilemma. They had a a guy by the name of Gamaliel, who was a very prominent teacher, ushered Peter and John out of the room, and he had these things to say to him. He said, He said, All these guys, I'm prefacing, all these guys have come in the past, and and the leaders go, and, and it dies out. He said, According to these guys, he says, Maybe I'll just leave them alone. But he says, If this is of human will, it'll fail. But is, if this is of God, there will be no stopping these men. He says, as a matter of fact, you'll find yourself fighting God. Well, I don't think the religious leaders are so convinced because they beat them and sent them on their way again. But all the while, these guys, the, the disciples, were, they stayed around Jerusalem. Uh, was primarily there, was primarily a, a Jewish religion, if you can look at that. But here are guys that had the promise through Abraham you're going to be a blessing to the nations. Jesus, before his ascension, had given the Great Commission. You guys are probably familiar with that. Go and make disciples of all nations. Right before he ascended, he said this in Acts 1 8, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, which is like now, out into the state, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Jesus also said, Jesus said one thing in, in John 10. He said, I have sheep not of this fold. And I need to go gather them in so they'll have one shepherd. So they knew all of this. They stayed right in Jerusalem. So what do you think happened? You remember when uh, Brian preached on the Tower of Babel and how the people had all gathered together and, you know, they're all one mind, we're going to build a a tower up to the sky and and God sees this whole thing and he comes down and he changes all their languages to scatter them around. Well, the Lord, through his sovereign hand, allowed persecution to come on these guys to drive them out. Uh, initially, the apostles all stayed in Jerusalem. We do know uh, from some other resources that they eventually left, scattered all over the world, all over northern, northern Egypt, all throughout around the Mediterranean. Matter of fact, even Doubting Thomas, you remember Doubting Thomas? It, you know, he didn't believe anything, but boy, once he was convinced, he was on it. He, it, it as we're told, he went to India. That's a pretty far walk. And as a little side note, I was reading someplace, I wish I could remember what it was, where some centuries later, some missionaries went to northern India to try and evangelize these people, only to find out, find out they already knew about this Jesus, how that happened. Thomas. So, anyway. They had this persecution, and people flee, some of them to their homes, but a lot of them went farther north to a city up in the northwestern part of Syria called Antioch, which coincidentally is very, very, very close to a city we hear in the news here recently, Aleppo, where perse- the ISIS is persecuting Christians. So they, so they go up there, and, and, and they, they start a church. And uh, still primarily Jewish uh, even though there were a few that spoke to the Greeks and some of those come to face it was still primarily Jewish we know through the book of Acts we've heard about the stoning of Stephen who was a, a faithful follower of Jesus and he goes and 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 the religious leaders trying to get him recant try to get him shut up he can't do it so they stone him to death and Brian talked about how he he preaches this wonderful sermon sermon he sees I see heaven an opening They kill him. Well, there was a guy there at that stony who was given approval. He was actually holding the jackets that the guys were doing it by the name of Saul. And he was a a pretty up-and-coming Pharisee, a Jewish guy, Jewish leader. He had it on. He was zealous. He was on fire for this stuff. He thought he was doing the right thing. Well, he he was a hold of that, and he wanted to continue this on. So he goes back to the religious leaders, and he gets official letters to go to Damascus. I've heard some of those guys are up there. Let me go hunt him down. So, he gets the letters. He heads on the Damascus Road. Bam! Spirit of the living Christ blinds him. Immediately converts him. He takes that zeal that Paul had to be a terrorist against the church, and turns it completely around. And he has that now. He has a that zeal as he get this gospel message out. His name's changed to Paul. He spends three, he preaches in the synagogues and eventually it says he spent three years in the desert studying under the tutelage of the Holy Spirit. That'd be a great thing to have. Then we also have another portion where we have Peter and this guy named Cornelius. Cornelius was a a Roman leader in their army uh, who was You'll see in scripture many times in this, he'll say God fear. And what that really means is that uh, he was somebody the Lord was drawing into him and he was kind of coming close. He was in the synagogue. He wasn't quite a Jew yet because he wasn't circumcised. There's a term they call proselyte. That's kind of insignificant, but he was there. But this Cornelius has has this dream as he's praying. He says, hey, get this Peter guy to come over here. Well, at the same time, Peter's praying. And the Lord drops this kind of a sheet in front of him. He shows these animals. And Peter, I don't know what's going on. And he said, you know, go and kill and eat, kill and eat. Peter says, I can't do that. That's against my tradition. We can't do that. I'm a Jew. What do you mean? He says, no, you got to do this. Cornelius sends these guys. They take Peter back. Peter and his whole family hear the gospel message. They're converted. They're saved. So Peter takes this message back to the uh, Jerusalem church and says, hey, the Gentiles are believing, and they they don't know what to do with that, but they said the same thing happened to them to happened to us, so it must be good. So we're back to this church in Antioch. Uh, Paul is there, a guy from the the Jerusalem church named Barnabas went up there, and they're preaching and teaching, and uh, the Holy Spirit makes known that he's going to send them out. Picks those two, sends them out to take this message out to the Gentiles. First mission trip. So they go, they go to some cities. Uh, one thing was kind of, kind of coincidence, coincidence at this time, so the Romans had taken over and they built this whole interstate highway system, which made it easy to get from place to place. So travel was much more convenient than it was earlier than that. So it made all of this possible. Uh, Paul, Barnabas, they go to some cities. Cyprus. They go to another city in Pasada, Antioch, Pasadena which was up in Turkey. Another team like that. And it says many Gentiles believe some of the Jews are stirred up about it. They don't like it because Paul made a practice of initially going into town and preaching in the synagogues. So we could have some of the, the Jews in the synagogues. You could have some of the people who were like Cornelius who were the Lord was drawing to him. but many, many of the Greeks believed. They went to another city, Iconium, not too far away. It says a great number of Jews and Gentiles believed. And Paul makes his proclamation to them. He says, we've been called to take this good news of salvation to the Gentiles. They, they go to another town, Lystra, another close by. Many Greeks believed. So they make a plan. They're going to circle back. As they're circled back, they're appointing shepherds and elders in each town to watch over these little groups of people. They don't necessarily have buildings. Uh, we call them the church. is actually a Greek word, ecclesia, which actually means just a group of people. It doesn't mean the building. So they put, put shepherds and elders in charge to protect and guide these folks as they went along. So they went back to the church in Antioch, reported all that's going on. By the time Paul and Barnabas, I know this is a lot, by the time Paul and Barnabas get to Antioch some Jews from the Jerusalem church that didn't believe in what Paul and these guys were doing, these guys are called the Judaizers, they're preaching in Antioch saying, oh, you have to do all the Jewish laws and all this other stuff, so they have a big hubbub and they decide that that's not necessarily what it has to do even though these Judaizers aren't convinced. Paul is going to go back out. Barnabas was going to go back out. They split up. Whew. Mission trip number two. This first mission trip, they went probably 200 miles away from Antioch, which was a big deal in those days. So now they're going out. So Paul and a guy named Silas, they go out. They go to Derby. But all these cities are more up in Turkey, keeps going like it. Lystra, a guy by the name of Timothy joins them. They go to another region, Phygeria, Galatia, you've probably heard of that, Trohos. And while, while they're in Trohos, Paul gets another vision from the Lord says, you need to keep going on over there. Mass, it's called the Macedonian Call, which is in northern Greece area. So go there, they go to Philippi. There was no, there was no synagogue in Philippi, but, but the Lord led them down to the water where a bunch of people who were, the Lord was bringing to them were gathering. These people are saved. Lady by the name of Lydia was saved at Philippi. Well, as we know the story in Philippi, they get thrown in jail, the people are upset. Uh, Paul and Silas are in jail, they're in stocks, they beat them, they're singing hymns in the middle of the night, earthquake. They're unlocked, but they don't leave. And through that, this Philippian jailer and his whole family, they're converted. They come to believe. They go to Thessalonica, another town farther west. He preaches in the synagogue. He says not a, not a few, many devout Greeks and many leading women believe. They go from there. They go to a town, Berea. You know, they're not really well, well responded by the Jews, but they go to Berea. Paul preaches the word from Scripture This crucified and risen Christ. The Bereans look at the scripture and they believed. Paul goes to Athens, has a smaller uh, reception there. He goes on to Corinth, which is all the way down at the tip of Greece. He stays there 18 months. And they they have many believers come to the faith. The Jewish reception is not very good. They take him to court. Of course, in a a Roman system, it wasn't illegal to do anything like that. All of that doesn't come until the second century, so they really don't care about it. So they're they're thrown out of court. But Paul makes up his mind that he is just from now on going to go to the Gentiles. It's uh, not a coincidence that while he was in Corinth, Paul's lamenting about his own people, the Jews, how they haven't come to faith. He writes the book of Romans. And through that, the Holy Spirit is really guiding him through this and giving him an understanding of what is happening because he knows at one time Jesus is going to come back and he's worried about the Jews. And he quotes this in here. It's Romans 11, 25. Lest you be wise in your own sight, I do not want you to be unaware of the mystery, brothers. A partial hardening has come upon Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles has come in. Fullness. Well, you know, I, I, I don't know where you're all at on this. Scripture talks a lot about chosen, elect, predestined. Uh, it says in Revelation four times it's mentioned, those who are written on the Lamb's book of life before the creation of the world. It has the appearance here anyway that it isn't so much a date when Christ is coming back, but when these people that they had written on his book are finally swept into this family, Then he's going to come back. So that's the understanding that Paul got out of that. Uh, He stays in Corinth 18 months, starts making his way back. He goes to a city, and many other cities, he goes to Ephesus. Uh, Ephesus' claim to fame was the temple Artemis. Uh, It was kind of like a tourist, religious tourism type thing where people would come. They made a lot of money on it. This was a little different situation. The people, uh, the silversmiths who made all these religious trinkets got upset because these people are coming to faith. They aren't buying the trinkets anymore. So they caused a big uproar. Even though Paul stayed there two years, he still kind of gets run out of town. Goes back to Antioch. Spends some time there. Holy Spirit breathes him out again. He goes back on his third missionary journey. He goes back to all those churches, encourages them, building them up in the Word, keeps keeps encouraging them. You see he's written all these other letters that he has, 1 Corinthians, Thessalonians, Titus, all this. Those were all circular letters that were written to the churches that were supposed to be for this church, but to be passed around for everybody. So they have all of this stuff here. Paul ends up going... After that last final sweep, he goes back to Jerusalem and ends up going to Rome, where he loses his life. That's how the church prospered. Just like Gamaliel said, it's if, a, if it's of God, you won't stop it. But it wasn't easy. There was Persecution. In Antioch, Pasadena, the Jews were stirred up, ran them out of town. Iconium, they had threats. They got the whole city in an uproar, got run out of town. They go to Lystra, the Jews from Antioch and Iconium come and raise all kinds of ruckus and get them run out of town. Paul is stoned and left for dead. He rises back up and goes right back into town. Um, of course, we, heard, we already talked about when they go back to Antioch, Syria, these Judaizers are come up teaching a different gospel, have that. We talked about when he goes to Philippi, he's in prison, uh, Thessalonica. The Jews were really stirred up when he preached in the synagogue, and they stirred up the whole town and said, these guys who have turned the world upside down have come here as well. Were they turning the world upside down? They actually were turning it right side up. Uh, they went to Berea, 50 miles away from Thessalonica. Who comes there? The Jews from Thessalonica. They're coming. Get out of here. Get out of here. In Corinth, they went to civil court. Ephesus, the silversmiths start a riot. Persecution didn't stop it. It's if, if it's from God, it won't be stopped. One of the issues that's talked about, almost, almost every one of these books in Scripture talks about something that was a problem. They talked about false teaching. You know, if, if pressures from the outside are not going to stop it, pressures of the inside can. Uh, in Ephesus, as Paul is rolling back through, he tells the, uh, the Ephesian elders after my departure, fierce wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock, and from among your own selves will arise men speaking twisted things to draw the disciples away after them. First Timothy, Jude, several other books. He's, Paul is encouraging. Teach sound doctrine, teach sound doctrine. There's times we almost treat doctrine like a four-letter word, but it's important even though some will depart from the faith. Paul writes a letter to the church in Galatia, which was a number of churches in the area, and it really is a pretty strong rebuke. He writes in uh, Galatians 1.6, I'm astonished that you are so quickly deserting him who called you into the grace of Christ and, ter- and are turning to a different gospel. Not that there is another one. But there are some who trouble you and want to distort the gospel of Christ. Uh, You know, he goes on, he says, oh, you foolish Galatians, who's bewitched you? It was before your eyes that Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed as crucified. Let Let me ask you only this. Did you receive the Spirit by works of the law or begin hearing by faith? Are you so foolish having begun by the Spirit and are now being perfected by the flesh? Did you suffer so many things in vain, if indeed it is in vain? Does he who supplies the Spirit to you and works miracles among you do so by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? This group of Judaizers' mission was to go back and distort everything Paul was saying. You had to become a Jew. Jesus came, their message was Jesus came And and died on the cross and made an opportunity for you to inherit the kingdom of heaven But you had to you had to observe the law Perfectly you had to observe all the religious holidays You had to go through circumcision all these things here, and if you did enough of those right Then you could inherit the kingdom of heaven that was not the gospel that that, that Paul preached was not the gospel that Jesus preached David Platt, in, in a commentary on this Galatians, said if we could do, do enough good, if we could do enough and keep enough rules to merit eternal life, we would sing praises to ourselves instead of Jesus. There is no other gospel. Jesus, in his own words in the book of John, 1021, my sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me, and I give them eternal life. And they will never perish. And no one will snatch them out of my hand. My father who has given to me is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of my Father's hand. Salvation at the beginning is a guarantee. Not gained through works. So there was a lot that went against them. The problems were inside. So let's look at this one little church. I like this little church in Thessalonica. It's my favorite one. Paul, Paul is just thrilled with this. Paul spent a short period of time there. And uh, many came to faith that changed their lives. Uh, he and Timothy and, and Silas went on to Berea Paul was so concerned he sent Timothy back to see how they were doing because they were under this outside persecution quite a bit too so he was really concerned about it and he writes here about them 1 Thessalonians 1 verse 2 we give thanks to God always for all of you constantly mentioning you in our prayers remembering before our God and Father your work of faith your labor of love and the steadfastness of hope In our Lord Jesus Christ. For we know, brothers, loved by God, that he has chosen you. There's one of those words again. Because our gospel became to you not only in word, but also in the power of the Holy Spirit. With full conviction. He goes on to say about them. He says, for they... He goes on to say that they became an example to all the believers of Macedonia and Achaia. For not only has the word of the Lord sounded forth, echoed forth from you in Macedonia and Achaia... But your faith in God has gone forth everywhere. Here's a little group of believers heard the gospel. Lord changed them. Changed their lives. Brotherly love. Bear one another's burdens. Sacrificially caring for each other so nobody had anything in need. Uh, the the First century Jewish writer Josephus chronicled a lot of these things where he said some of the things that that were absolutely strange to these Roman citizens, he said that these folks, not only there, but the other Christians, they cared not only for their own widows, but they took care of ours too. Another thing he talked about, it was very common in Roman society, if you didn't want your kid, you either left them outside just to die, or you threw them off a bridge. Josephus says, these folks are going to rescue them and taking them as their own and raising them. So all of this, that we're looking at it, you know, in a world where, where there was so much opposition, there were people that were saying, these guys are turning the world upside down. There were other people who were going, they're turning the world upside down. My world's been upside down. And the Lord has drawn him in. And he builds this church. So they had this gift of faith, and they believed it. They had this love for each other. And others, other churches around the area, uh, they took care of the widows and orphans. They lived a, a life purposely to attempt to please God. Through the power of the Spirit in the hope and expectation of Christ returning and taking them into eternity. I tried to think of a way to describe these, these guys. And uh, the Lord kind of gave me a picture, it's, I didn't have a vision for the Lord, but a guy gave me a picture of, of sail, sailboats and they had the Holy Spirit blowing. And these folks, through their obedience, we're raising their sails. I want to blow blown along. I want to be blown along by this word, by this faith. I want to be blown along by it. Despite the persecution, despite what was going on, the Holy Spirit kept breathing through them. Okay, how can we be encouraged and challenged by this? Uh, there are a lot of great things that are going on here. Uh, But even in in this world, a church can be known for many things. Got a great building, super stained glass windows, or not. Could be known for, you know, we have some of the most highly educated preachers and staff or not. We can even be known for not having a paid staff. A lot of things that we can be known for. What should we be known for? Pulling the rope up on the sail. We want to listen to him. We want to be led by him. We want to be the people that he wants us to be so that not only just like the Thessalonians not only the words of their mouth, but the deeds that they were doing were, are, are blowing out through the world. This church in Thessalonica didn't have an evangelistic program. They didn't have a mission program. There's nothing wrong with those, but they didn't have it. Their lives sent the message. That's my hope for us. Through this promise... Of the inheritance of eternal life and Jesus coming back whenever that may be. It's probably not 1987. The truth that we are sojourners here means pilgrims. This is not our home. And if we really can be led by the Spirit, the things of this world really don't mean the same. That every time we go to pull that sail up, Satan is saying, Don't do that. Are you crazy? What about your financial security? Get your hands off that rope. Now, wait a minute. The voice is on. You can't answer that phone call. That person's in need. Well, they don't deserve it. So all the time, we're aware that Satan is doing that saying, get your hands off that rope. But the Holy Spirit is calling us to be sacrificially loving each other. Spreading this gospel message. This church in Thessalonica didn't have it all together. They didn't know all this wonderful stuff that we have privilege to. Matter of fact, Paul writes in his letter there that he hopes to return to them, he uses a fishing term, to repair their nets so he can bind all of that information together. And all that good word and keeping it. And we don't have it together. Paul's message to the Thessalonians, do this more and more, more and more. That should be us. Do this more and more as we live this life being blown along by the Holy Spirit in the hope of Christ's return one day. What is that hope? Anybody read C.S. Lewis stuff? Read Chronicles of Narnia? Don't all raise your hands at one time. Chronicles of Narnia he ends with this. And this is in the last battle. And he writes, and as Aslan, that's the Christ figure, spoke, he no longer looked at them, the other people, like a lion. But the things that began to happen after that were so great and beautiful that I can't even write about them. And for us, this and all the stories we can say most truly they all lived happily happily ever after. But for them, it was only the cover page of the story. The rest of the story, which no one on earth could read, goes on forever and ever. In every chapter, better than the last. That's our hope. That's the fuel for our hope, is the salvation. That's what we need to believe, folks. That's what's going to fuel us on. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you for the truth of your word how you've so graciously blown into our lives and continue to blow in us and through us so that this message of a crucified and risen Christ and this message of salvation can go out to all the people. Lord, we pray that you will make us that people and keep pushing us forward keep blowing into our sails so that we can accomplish every good and great task that you desire of us so that your name can be made famous and that you can continue to receive the glory you so graciously deserve Lord we pray these things in Christ's holy name Amen